What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of Reasonably Outrageous. I'm your co-host, Matt Wyrick, alongside, as always, Blake Pace. But we're also joined by special guest, a man you all have heard <laughs> several times here on the show, Tom Robertson, the one and only, has joined us here in the studio. And by studio, I, of course, mean my parents' basement. Tom, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. I know... That your listeners have been waiting a long time for this moment, and now they finally get to experience it. So really, a lot more happy for them than I am for myself. Of course, yes. We do this for the fans, of course. Yeah, Blake, yeah. don't want to leave you out over there. How are you doing <laughs> over in chilly Nashville? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just hanging. Tom got to hear the insane bark of my dog for the first time, so obviously I'm back in my car, but... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting having Tom on. I'm a, I've soured a little bit on him. Uh, for those who <laughs> don't know, Tom was one of my favorite, uh, Yankees fan friends. And oh, then, uh, most recently had to, had to, oh yeah, I was bringing this up first thing. Um, Tom most recently decided that he was going to become all DC sports fan, uh, ditching yeah. the Yankees for the Nats, uh, right after they won a World Series. Sounds a little bandwagony if you ask me, you know? No, but... okay, let's start. We, let's start here, we so, can start here briefly. For the record, for no. the record, real quick, this is the first time that the three of us are talking about this in a space, so wow. this is raw it, emotions it is, right it now. Is. Let's be honest, though. Is it really bandwagony when I I explicitly stated during the playoff run that I could never I could not claim this national championship and now Rendon is gone the Yankees have gotten Garrett Cole better position they're easily the best team in baseball just when you look up and down Dodgers. the roster Dodgers Well okay regardless I I'm going to disagree with you but yeah, anyway me too you can definitely you can definitely say that that talent wise up and down their roster a better team on paper than the Nationals even if the Nationals still had Rendon I th- think that'd be fair to say I wouldn't disagree so I don't think it's bandwagony at all I think it would have hmm. been much more in my favor to stick with the Yankees well now uh, considering I, how things are going now I just have to spin this to where. Uh, you were the weight that was holding the Yankees down all these years. It wasn't the Astro scandal. It <laughs> wow. wasn't. It wasn't all the injuries last year. It was Thomas Robertson, and now we're we're going to win this so, season. In, are you in telling spite me now him. that the Nationals are never going to win anything ever since Tom I, joined yeah, the no. base? I'm, I'm a Nats like fan though, and look at that. <laughs> look at that. Persistence pays off. You know what I mean? It, it, look, let me just say, <laughs> I'm not. It's not a bad breakup for me personally. Oh, it is for me. It is for you, Blake. It is but, for me. You know, I'm still a big Gary Sanchez guy. Best catcher in baseball. Best player in baseball, maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're not letting that. Yeah, that's, that's, that yeah, let's, we're not letting that slide. No, okay, yeah, best yeah. catcher. Best catcher. In JT Real Muto, but anyway. Best catcher in baseball. JT Real Muto. Best smile. Oh in my god. That would so, be Francisco Lindor, actually. No. Yeah. Lean door. Lean. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, Jim. Remember when they played that game in, oh, that game. in Cuba? Were they they were in somewhere in Latin America or something and like that? They were chanting for Lindor. Yeah, and all the little kid all the little kids were going, Lean door. It was so funny. You never did you I don't think that? I've seen that. I'm to look oh, it up. Hilarious, dude. That's good stuff right there. It's good stuff. All right, well, as much as you know, Blake would love to go on and on about how much he feels his heart has been ripped out. Yep. Um, that is not why we are here. Go Nats. Um, we're, we're here. We're actually not going to talk baseball today. It's just too Astrocentric right now. I'm a little bit fatigued from it. I feel like a lot of people are. And if they see Astros in the headline of our podcast, they're not going to want to listen to it. So we're <laughs> yeah. going to go ahead and just steer clear of MLB. Hopefully... 
by the time we have our next show next week, uh, there's something else that we can talk about baseball related. But until then, uh, we're just going to have to kind of put baseball to the side here and talk some football. It's been a, a bit of a dead period, needless to say, since the Super Bowl. Not a lot has gone on. We're still awaiting free agency. The real big news, of course, is Drew Brees announcing that he's returning to the Saints in 2020. Our last podcast, Blake and I talked about Taysom Hill and his uh, possibility of taking over as the Saints' future uh, behind center. Uh, Blake, I've ever since that, I've seen so many Saints stories that are saying, oh, no, it'll work out. So I'm oh, buying back geez. into the idea. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm buying back in. I'm no. buying back in. No. <laughs> don't I don't have the argument to support it yet, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> but it's got a that breeze is back. That's big news. But other other places right now, it, you know, every all eyes seem to be on Cincinnati and what it will do with the number one pick and Joe Burrow, uh, who obviously is the top player going into this draft. Well, maybe not the top player, but the consensus top pick in the draft. Chase Young is probably the best player, mm-hmm. if we're being honest. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so the. Bengals now are dealing with a bit of a situation because it's been leaked that Burrow doesn't want to play in Cincinnati. This is kind of odd considering he's from Ohio, but now the Bengals are kind of forced here to decide what they want to do with this number one pick. Do they draft Burrow? Do they try and trade him or, you know, do they go just straight and and draft Tua? What exactly is going to be their plan here, Blake? Where are you going if you're the Bengals right now? Yeah, so so first off, he hasn't really come out and said no, he hasn't he said it. It's been more of a leaked thing. He, yeah, what, what's what's happened is is through this entire process, he said he's always said I'm going to go to the team that drafts me. Now he hasn't come out and said Cincinnati, I love you. Let's get this thing rolling. So that's why it's been like okay. Well, you're going to be the number one pick. Cincinnati has the number one pick. So why aren't you kind of moving forward? And then some other people have come out recently. Um, Ex number one pick Steve Bartkowski uh, suggested, and and a few other people have suggested this as well too, that Joe Burrow should pull an Eli on the Bengals and say that um, you know they should he should demand his way out of Cincinnati before even getting there and, and begin his NFL career with another team that would uh, I guess trade for him up in that range. You know teams to consider like the Miami Dolphins. Um, there, there there would be a lot of teams interested in Joe Burrow if he was available beyond that number one pick. The biggest thing for me is we've got so much time now between the draft and and Joe has come out and said Cincinnati and him haven't even met yet. They're going to meet at the Combine, which I believe is later this week uh, or, or next week. It's coming up very soon. Next so, week, yeah. So, so yeah. Wednesday, Com- from today. Right. So the Combine is coming up soon. Um, they are going to meet then for the first time. Hopefully there will become some positive news that, that comes out of it. I don't. I don't blame him. You know, Cincinnati is one of those franchises in the NFL that ownership really doesn't care about winning. You know, they've never really put together. They're fine with just making their money, making the wild card every every five or so years, and, and just they're okay with making their little profit. They haven't been a franchise that has gone out and overspent in free agency and done extraordinary things, hired the right coaches, hired the right GMs. They've been just very okay with being a franchise, making money, and maybe sometimes getting lucky and making the postseason. So I get it. This was the same Cincinnati where Carson Palmer threatened to retire very early on in his career just so he could get out of Cincinnati. Fortunately, he did end up getting traded. Uh, But this is a place where quarterbacks have come to die. Uh, Most recently, Andy Dalton, not necessarily a great quarterback, but I, I, 
I don't blame Burrow for, for extending this right if he chooses to do so. Um, but at the same time, he hasn't come out and fully said anything concrete about not wanting to. It's it's just one of those things you've got to keep an eye on because if he wants to, um, you know, there's, you know, how does Cincinnati react? Do they take another quarterback? Do they take him and try and trade? Like you said, there's a lot of areas that they could go in. Okay, for me, before I go any further, let me just put out into this space what he actually said. And it's not just conjecture from other people on the outside. He has said some things that could easily be taken uh, to mean that he is going to put up a fight here in terms of being drafted by Cincinnati. So he says, uh, according to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, I do have leverage. The Mm -hmm. Bengals have their process, and I have my process. Right? So says he has leverage, and I think that point is well taken. Sure he has leverage. I think anybody with his kind of talent who is as clear-cut of a number one pick as he is mm. naturally is going to have leverage. So it's not a question. I think some some people are taking this as far as to say that the Bengals, it might be a question of whether the Bengals are going to even draft him. I want to shut that down, personally. I think... There's really no universe. But if they, where if he doesn't want to play there, I, are you going to draft? Yes, I don't 100%. know. One hundred percent. There's no universe in terms of. You telling me you Burrow won't just sit until one, he's traded? But the I'm, problem with I that, I don't think that he's going to do that to his career. It would hurt him more than help him. Would it? Absolutely. I think playing four years in Cincinnati, five years in Cincinnati, would hurt him more than it would help him. Where else Especially is he going to go? Is he going to go to the Dolphins? Is he going to go to the Redskins? Where do you want him to go where it's not going to be? A, there's no perfect situation for there him. There are plenty the of teams that would be willing to trade up for him, though. Situation. What if the Chargers traded up for him? Dolphins are what a better Saints, situation. What if the Saints traded up for him? It's a lot. And I agree with you, Blake. Dolphins are a better situation than Cincinnati right now. Well, they're a better situation I mean, than a lot of places right now. I think even... Uh, I think the Dolphins are, are going to have a really good turnaround with Brian Flores, but that's just personally. But... Uh, Continue, Tom. I don't want to interject. Look, too much I mean, I mean, I for me personally, I don't. I'm going to disagree with you in saying that Miami is a whole lot better of a scenario than Cincinnati. What? Cincinnati has been a decent team in the in the recent past, pretty consistently, and despite the lack of who was their head success, coach, Marvin the, Lewis, who's gone, and now they have Zach Taylor, are, okay, who showed you're nothing. Me Marvin Lewis was a promising head coach. Marvin though. Lewis was a solid head coach who brought a very bad Bengals team, a historically bad yeah. Bengals team, to relevance and kept them there. Like Blake said, they had a ceiling on their success, but you could argue that was partially the fault of the front office and not Lewis. He wasn't given a lot of weapons. Regardless. Regardless, I don't think that there's a lot of arguments that you can make to say Miami or Washington. Just look at the head coach situation. It, <laughs> Would you rather have Zach Taylor, Ron Rivera, or Brian Flores calling the shots of your organization? I'm just, right uh, look, look. I'm telling you my opinion. I is, get it. Is that, especially... When you talk about the hometown factor, not the hometown, but home state, which in Ohio, it might as well be a hometown because you're everybody there. It's ridiculous the passion of those places because they live in the middle of nowhere, and it's like okay, if I live thirty minutes away, what else do you have to do? But exactly, watch football. Regardless, there's really no situation. Back to my point, like I said, we got way off track because I said Joe Burrow does have leverage. Points well taken, and he may not want to go there. And I'm not saying, while I was playing devil's advocate by saying he 
these other scenarios are not that much better. He very well may want to go somewhere else, and that's understandable. My point is that you're Cincinnati. There's no universe to me where they have the number one pick and they draft somebody. Are you telling me you'd rather have a Joe Burrow who doesn't want to be there over potentially at least three first-round picks? Three first-round picks? That's more than negotiation. Who's going to give up the – do you really think the Saints will give up three first-round picks? I think it'd be on the table. You think that's on the table? Sure. I mean, the Saints are going all in on their roster right now. Okay. And Breeze probably has one year left. So you bring Burrow, who already knows the Saints' offense, literally because he worked on it under Joe Brady with LSU, who got the idea for that offense from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Dude could fit in seamlessly. Okay. So, wait. While you guys are there, I have one quick transition. If Because you mentioned the Joe Brady connection, if the Bengals take Joe Burrow first overall and the rookie season goes well and you don't and things are going well with Zach Taylor, great. If it goes bad... We've seen it a bunch where after the first season they fire the bad the bad head coach after um after you know a rookie quarterback is through its first season you think the Browns with Hugh Jackson uh Sam Darnold uh with um Steve Brian Wilkes. Flores Steve Wilkes with the Cardinals it happened three times uh two seasons ago or two off seasons ago now so there is an offensive coordinator in Carolina now who just finished off one of the best offensive seasons in college football we've seen in a very very long time. If he gets the year of offensive coordinator experience, maybe the Bengals decide to pair Joe Brady with Joe Burrow again up in Cincinnati, and maybe that is what could convince uh, Joe Burrow to stay with the Bengals. I think a couple one, a couple other things I want to say as well. We have heard so much. I understand the comment that he's made and why that would spark some questions. But we have heard throughout the entire process of this magnificent season that LSU has had, Joe Burrow's magnificent season, Heisman campaign that ultimately resulted in him hoisting the trophy, how incredibly nice, gracious, humble this kid is. Do we think, really, that he's the type of kid that's going to throw a hissy fit about what team he gets drafted to, and if he does get drafted to them, be the type of guy to outright sit down and say what is I'm not Eli going Manning's to play? reputation. What is Eli Manning's reputation? I don't think Joe I don't think Eli Manning has that kind of reputation. Eli Manning has a reputation has a of a guy reputation. who, you know, humble is definitely a word that's thrown around. He puts right. his head down, he right. gets to work, he's respectful. Now, but he has been for his yeah. entire career. He's a, he's a class act. He's a class yeah, he class act, class classic act. class act. He's a class act, but you're talking about Eli I'm just saying I don't have no idea. I'm posing the question. Was he known to be that kind of guy that out I of college? I mean, I don't know that. Because Joe Burrow is, uh, he might be one of the most mature kids coming out of college that I've seen in a while. I mean, he's very well put together. He, So I just, for me personally, yeah. from what I have seen from him, does not seem to be the kind of guy, sure, you know, he's stirring the pot a little bit, and, and why not? Like he said, he has leverage. But if the Bengals choose to draft him, for I mean, first of all, just talking about the kind of guy he is, and then also the fact that he's from there. Is he really gonna? Is he really gonna hang it up? Well, and say, if he's I'm talking not about leverage to me? the media, I feel like there's got to be something there. There's got to be. I mean, and that's where you know all these conversations are, are happening. Is he gonna force a trade? Maybe not. But maybe he's telling the you know maybe he's just saying don't draft me. Or is, he's... Blake, is there any situation where Tua goes into his pro day, which is scheduled for two weeks before the draft, absolutely lights it up? 
and the uh, Bengals draft him number one overall. Blake, do you think there's any chance of that happening? Not, not if Burrow stays stays committed and, and and things go well at the combine and they break away and, and everybody's great. Burrow says, "Okay, I've met with the Bengals now." But I if know but I'm if Burrow forward. doesn't want to, if Burrow doesn't want to play with the Bengals, do you think they automatically trade the pick, or do you think they could just draft Tua with number one? I think at that point, you know who the number one overall pick is in that draft. So I would trade the pick. Say if Miami wants to move up, or to, you know, you've got a team in the top five that would rather take Burrow. Um, then you can get more draft capital in the back end and still get to a, a as your future quarterback if that's the but route it, they choose but to could go. In that scenario as well, like you're like you've mentioned, Matt, if that happens and it's pretty clear that Joe Burrow doesn't want to go to Cincinnati, that immediately devalues the draft pick that they're going to go on the market with. But you'll still you'll there, still have the other teams less, bidding. That is true. But you'll have the Which other teams why, bidding against one another. But that's why I think they could just outright draft Tua. Nah. Because if you also think about it, why would the Bengals want to? Why would the Dolphins want to trade up for the number one pick? They'd be fine with getting Tua. It's a question. I, uh, I don't think they take Tua. A, I think it'd be a disastrous mistake for Cincinnati to draft Tua. Tua. I'm not saying it would necessarily be the right decision. I'm saying I'm, I'm just exploring all the possibilities here. Mm. I think for me, I, go ahead, Tom. Last thing I want to say because we're we're moving in a different direction, which is great. Last thing I want to say, just going back to Joe Burrow, is I think what you said earlier was kind of correct. I think these remarks don't mean that Joe Burrow is going to refuse to be drafted by Cincinnati, or mm-hmm. if he's drafted, that he will just sit. I think it's him just kind of. Testing the water. Saying, can I really do this? And is there a scenario where I could actually dissuade them from drafting me? Not really being hard pressed about not. Because I also feel like. Which is smart, and it's like you said, he has leverage, so he can do it. But why wouldn't he go to the Bengals and tell them straight up before going any of the media and being like, look, I don't really want to play for you guys? Why don't you try? Without me going to the media, you have all the levers in the world. Go make a trade. That's a good. See, point. that was that was one thing that hmm. I was confused about because right. well, he that didn't would say seemed... it to the media though. He said it at a banquet when he was okay. receiving an award, and the sure. media picked it up. But he you had to expect that was going to happen. Kind of a kid letting something slip. I think I'm sure. I just don't think that. But at the same time, like the fact that they haven't met yet is a little bit concerning. I don't know what the usual timeline is for these situations. No, they they but... usually meet at the combine. Okay, right. so I guess that makes sense. But at the same time, like. If you have that mindset of wanting to be traded, I feel like you'd want to let the team know as soon as possible and then let things go from there because the team's not going to leak that Burrow doesn't want to play there. That's not in their best interest. Another smart thing about this, though, is when they do meet, now you you know the Bengals are going to be even more prepared to throw the world at this kid. Oh, for sure. If they're smart. Now, an organization that I'm well familiar with, like Washington – wouldn't do that because they don't respect their players. But if Cincinnati is smart here, they're going to go into the combine with the mindset of we're going to make, we're going to game plan and build a plan for multiple years down the line Mm -hmm. that shows Joe Burrow that this franchise is is you. It's all about you. And whatever you want, we'll deliver for you. The thing that worries me about that is they're just like Washington in a sense where they have never shown uh, the reason or need or desire to do that. They have just, right. like I said, right. they've been one of those franchises that really doesn't care about winning. They just let their cards play out. They don't really seem to have much of a plan. So that, that worries well, Washington me. Washington cares if, about winning. It just can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I'll put that in there too. But I think, I think it's just one of those things where it's like, 
They they need to if they want to make this thing work with Joe Burrow, they need to change that mindset. They need to understand. Right. Okay, we've got this opportunity. We we have to go forward. We have to be aggressive in free agency. We need to keep AJ Green and convince him to want to be around in Cincinnati. We have to invest in right. the offensive line. They've drafted Young there the past few years. Maybe bring in some veteran guys. There, the offensive line market is going to be very overpaid this year, so they will have to go and get some guys. But you know. Show Joe Burrow in the months leading up to the draft that you care. Do well in free agency. Make the right moves in that management. And throughout your contact with Joe Burrow, lay out a very um, concrete plan for him. And that's that, that's something we're not going – we haven't seen from Cincinnati. But if they want to make things work with Joe Burrow, that's the way they got to go. Right. And I think that's that's – I think that's really what it comes down to. And maybe, mm-hmm. just maybe – Joe Burrow is smart enough to get to that point that took us 30 minutes to get to. Basically <laughs> saying, if I say these comments now, it'll have Cincinnati rethinking how they are going to want right. to approach me and pitch this franchise to me. Let's see. Maybe yeah. he's just trying to get a little bit of extra effort out of that organization. It's, uh, smart. it's a very roundabout way of, of doing it, is my only thing. And like you said, it was at a banquet speech. Right. It seemed more like a you slip up know. than it did... Uh, him strategically yeah. dropping that nugget. Well, well and here's, but here's the thing. I mean, he, he's smart here's enough. I wouldn't this, put it past the him. The whole thing about this co- entire conversation and debate is that it's all speculation oh, at yeah. this point. We 100%. No but that's why we do this. Yeah, so exactly. why this is the reasonably outrageous podcast. <laughs> and that was a reason, reasonably outrageous oh, discussion. It was. Yeah. All right, Blake, any well, last words uh, on this topic before we move on? I do want to say one, one last thing in the NFL before we switch over. Um, staying in the state of Ohio, the the never disappointing Cleveland Browns just had one of their uh, linemen, Greg Robinson, get busted with a hundred and fifty-seven pounds of marijuana. Wow! A, token. A hundred. No, definitely a hundred, not just token. He is that, pushing weight. That is me. Halfway through my freshman year, he was uh, at. He got caught at Border Patrol checkpoint. Uh, he faces up to 20 years in prison if convicted. He was also with his Jeez. Auburn teammate, Quan Brain. Quan Bray. So it was the two of them. He was a Redskin, wasn't he, Tom? Quan Bray? Quan Bray? Yeah. Quan Bray? No, Quan. Yeah, Quan Bray. Yeah, wasn't he a Redskin? No. I wouldn't. Not a meaningful one. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> obviously. But So, yeah, uh, fun fun Cleveland news when someone gets arrested with as much weed as I weighed half year, uh, halfway through freshman year of college. Man, man. Last thing, last thing I'll say on the NFL as well is, as you all may know, I was an Ohio yep. resident for about seven months. <laughs> Lived in Zanesville, about an hour Heart north. Heart of the Muskingum Valley. Heart of the Muskingum Valley, about an hour north of where Joe Burrow uh, went to high school and played high school ball. Let me tell you, those people worship the ground that he walks on. They got a mural in Athens of Joe Burrow because of what he did for that community. People talk about what he did with his Heisman speech, but truthfully, the impact was far greater than even what what most people know from that. I mean, it's unbelievable. Hmm. The poverty there is is not good and make your jaw drop. So the people around there, it's a whole different level. When, you, when you're talking about football, high school football, the passion that lies in that. So I really hope that that he that he makes the right decision and that it all works out in the end because I'd love to see him in those in those Tiger Stripes balling out. 
I'm bringing Cincy back it's on the map. Touching. I'm telling you, man. All right, People well, if you guys are both giving us these parting shots here on NFL, I guess I will chime in as well. Uh, I bought a jersey today. Wow. Okay. I bought a Kyler Murray <laughs> Oakland A's jersey. I love that is drip fire. That's is awesome. it fake? It's green. Yeah, it's fake. It's gotta be fake. It's gotta be fake. Yeah. DH no, gate it's for gate. sure. Got, but that's like, so sick. It's so sick. I'm so first excited of all for the it's coming. A's. The green and the yellow. Green is wanna, sick. Dude, they about slept on jerseys you know, just in general. You know what's great about that is like if I was to get an A's jersey, that would be the one player I would actually want instead of like what about anybody. Jose Canseco. Hey, the, the A's have got some guys. Okay? I know, but, I but personally, my interest—if I was just guys. going guys that I am familiar with and that are popular faces—Kyler Murray is the most popular A to me. This is true. It's like saying Tim Tebow is the most famous baseball player. First Oakland no, A. that's just yeah. Cap. Somebody tweeted that the other day. I, got, I know, I, got I really saw mad. that. I got He's, really uh, mad. I saw that. Kyler Murray is that. the first athletic to win Rookie of the Year in how many years, Matt? It's been a while. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't even... Uh, I want to I know that. Is it franchise <laughs> history? Is it franchise uh, history? Wait. wait is wait. it franchise history? No. Uh, I think I know who it is. Oh, I okay. You I, think you know who it is, like you didn't just look it up. No, no, I looked up <laughs> to make sure that this guy did win Rookie of the Year for the A's. Jose Canseco. I already said his name, so no, you, you did it. What? Yeah, what he did. Did. you said he's the most famous. He was like, if I were to get a jersey of any A, it would be Colin Murray. And I was like, Jose Canseco. Oh, I didn't even hear that. Yeah, I don't listen to you. Nice. You have to know that Jose Canseco was the dude. He just did a lot of roids. Did a lot of roids. <laughs> a lot of roids. Yeah, probably probably more than and only won one MVP. Did. So like, yeah, <laughs> come on, man. Bombs, You're sleeping. <laughs> you hit huge bombs. <laughs> All right, but that's we're we're gonna move on uh, and, and talk some NBA here. Snooze fast time. <laughs> it's uh, Tom's favorite favorite point of the day. Uh, the Cavs fired head coach John Balin. Balin. Beeline. I knew I was going to say it wrong. I, I knew, knew it was going to say it wrong. Big sports guy over here. Beeline. Big sports guy. Uh, yeah, Bl- Tom or Blake had to explain to me how um, franchise tagging or franchise offers restricted free agency worked in the NFL. Right. Yeah. Um, which I was confusing it with the NBA. Mm. It's, why restricted free agency? Baseball just has regular free agency or free agent or not. I mean, there's qualifying offer, but like it's pretty straightforward. That's the only sport that's like that. Though. Well, it should the be. The NHL is also does. Oh well, Blake says all the time that you know there is no big four; it's a big three. Yeah, big three. Well, he's stupid. Wait, Tom. <laughs> Wait, Tom. You even texted me the other day, so giddy about going to your first Preds game. I am very excited. I've, I've, I haven't been. I, I told Tom once. I'm not sure if I told Matt. I've probably told you too. I've been watching a lot of Preds recently. So yeah, you told me about this. When's the last time you guys talked about how a hockey topic on the show? Never. Well, Zero. We talked about how he was watching more Preds games. It would have been a great time to talk about the Caps. Are all. That's what it's I, all about. I actually could talk caps. NHL headlines. Like, you want to talk no. to First of all, I hate how the media is steering no. this conversation about, oh, if he's in a gold drought, he's doing Get out of my face. It's been five games. Boo. Okay. Anyway. Do you think the Caps are distracted by the fact that you know he's two two goals away and it's not been in this drought? I mean, they've lost five of seven. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, he's he's hit. How many milestones has First this guy to, hit in his career? Six hundred, five hundred, four hundred, three hundred. Seven hundred is pretty big, though. Six hundred was pretty big too. Yeah, but seven hundred only with seven guys ever. He's going up on he's only eight, seven so, guys. He's eighth, yeah, right? That's correct. Ob yeah, is eight. That's yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. Um. Blake is the bigger story is just how bad the Caps are playing as a whole. Yeah, first time they're not in first place since October 13th. I'm snoring over here. 
Anyways, okay. Oh, let's. Sorry, guys. Let's talk about a more exciting subject: the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> it's an Ohio podcast here. We did it for we did it for Tom because he's an Ohio native. <laughs> we didn't. Not an Ohio native. <laughs> Look up the word "native" in the dictionary. Se- seven month Ohio native. Former resident. <laughs> Former resident of Zanesville, Tom. Let's let's talk some Cavs here. Okay. Oh my this God. is this is a a team that has just been kind of pathetic. Uh, we I can name say. one Cavs player. Does Kevin Love still play for the Cavs? Kevin still Love does. Still That's play it. For the That's Cavs. A, wait. You they can name more. They got that guy more. from Alabama. They got that guy from Alabama. Sexton. Yeah. So Colin Sexton. Wow. I'm a genius. keep going. There's, and, uh, there's you one know, other guy. You know many. Well, Tristan Thompson doesn't still play there. Yeah, does he? he does. Wow. You got three Cavs. Yeah, I'm a beast. Look at you go, man. You're I'm killing the game. I can't name anymore. Really? Oh man. They traded Tom. They traded for Andre Drummond. Yeah, Yo, play. I did see that. That sucks for him. I feel bad for him. Oh, my he, God. Well, the Pistons, you know, whatever. All right, so as far as <laughs> Beeline? Yes. Beeline. Beeline. You're right. making a Beeline to that beeline. Google search bar. Yeah, I am, but there's no uh, pronunciation keys. <laughs> it doesn't help me. But uh, Oh, and Darius Garland, dude. I don't know who that is. What? Vandy guy. He's in college. Vandy guy. Anyway, speak, oh, I want to talk about Vandy, but I'll leave yeah, that for... Yeah, I want to talk about them. You saw my, you saw my tweet. Yeah, yeah. We, we can touch on them at the end. We'll talk a little bit of baseball. Um, but as far as this... Cap, let's keep trying to lead into this, and we can't get yeah. to it. Well, Tom keeps interrupting. Why would you want to get to it? <laughs> Beeline used to coach for Michigan, uh, West Virginia, the Richmond Spiders, oddly enough. Wow! Uh, and the Canisius Golden Griffins. Canisius. <laughs> Canisius. Canisius! <laughs> Yeah, I'm on a roll today. You really are. I'm on a roll today. Uh, and did very well in college. Was a fantastic college coach, but at the ripe age of 67, decided to go to the NBA, and it really fell flat with the Cavs, a team that just seems to have no direction right now. He had that situation where, oh, man, what did he call the players Thugs. in the huddle? Oh, Thugs. It was in, it was in yeah. film review, and he, he said yeah, he, I do know that. Yes, I yeah. do know. So that. he was already in a bit of turmoil. The team wasn't playing as well as they had hoped, even though they really didn't expect them to be good this year. They signed him to a four-year deal with a team option, which right off the bat, which Not seemed smart. super. Just, I mean, you were getting the guy into his seventies, and he was like three generations older than all of his players. And he never coached just the NBA. Thought that was going to work. Not I mean, a good idea. I mean, that was that right there. Now they did Classic negotiate a buyout. They, they're only going to have to pay him through this year. They're not going to pay him beyond that. Uh, so I think that was kind of for him to have a graceful exit. But, Blake, what is just your overall takeaway from this whole situation? Yeah, so there's two sides of it, the the Beeline side of it, and then we can talk to the Cavs as a whole later on. But with with, with John Beeline, um, and you made a great point talking about his age difference, we kind of see coaches like this, I, I think most recently to a guy like George Carl, who is very outdated, a very old coach, was coaching in his 70s and then fell out of touch with current players in the NBA of course, his coaching last ended, I want to believe it was with Sacramento. I might have had another stop before leaving. But but guys in that age range, there's look, coaching college basketball, I'm hearing a lot of crunkling over there, boys, so shut it. Oh, um, oh, yeah, Matt's eating <laughs> lifesavers. I'm eating gummy lifesavers. Oh, my God. Wow. That's <laughs> impressive. Um, but anyway, so so going back to Beeline, this was uh, something that supposedly right from the get-go was a problem with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it started in the G League, um, and he was overextending players. Um, as you all know, the, 
when you get to the NBA, it's like a rite of passage. You went through all the work in college where the coaches were pressing you hard every single day. You get to the NBA, it's a much more relaxed feel for practices. Of course, with an 82-game regular, uh, regular season, too, there's not as much effort on a day-to-day basis as there is in, in college. Um, that's kind of like your reward for making it to the NBA. And we see sometimes with college coaches that make the jump to the NBA, it just doesn't work out because they can't wrap their head around that. They're used to coaching in that one specific way, always being hard pressing on the players, demanding the most out of them in every practice, every game. And when they jump to the NBA, the players are like, hey, I'm making triple the money you are, so I don't want to do as much uh, as what you were making these guys in college that weren't getting paid anything to do. So right from the get-go in G League, there were a lot of, or in the Summer League, I apologize, not the G League, the Summer League, a lot of the younger players were feeling very overworked. They were very unpleased with his coaching style. Um, And there were even some guys that had some injuries that came out there. Um, Great article came out. Uh, on The Athletic today uh, by Shams, Jason Lloyd, and Joe, uh, Joe Varden. Um, the three of them wrote together a really detailed piece on just where everything went wrong. So that was where it really started uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, then, of course, it came to preseason, um, and, and it was the same thing. The players were feeling, okay, we're being way too overworked for it to be, you know, September or early October. Um, and then, it, you know, their last two games before heading into the regular season, uh, they lost 20 point and 40 point games uh, to the Boston Celtics. And by that point, it seemed like he had lost the entire locker room. So fast forward, they're not doing well. They did start four and five, but it was a, a very unimpressive four and five. They go on this huge losing streak. He has the slip up where they're they're doing film uh, they're doing film review um, during practice. It's their film study portion, and instead of you know what he thought he said slugs, he called them thugs. The players then retaliated by every day in practice playing songs that were had the thug the word thug uh, in the title uh, in the songs a lot. So they were really sticking it to him. Um, and then it came to the part where John Beeline wasn't happy. This was not, the Cavs wanted John Beeline to play out the rest of the season and then move on. Beeline did not want to come back after the all-star break. So, uh, it it was a failed uh, attempt from both sides. It sets the Cavs onto their fourth coach in two seasons with, if JB Bickerstaff doesn't stay on past this season, they're fifth by the start of next season. Um, and there's a lot of problems in Cleveland, but but for Beeline himself, he just never really made that connection and made the jump from college to the pros. Yeah, there's a lot of problems in Cleveland, and the Cavaliers are just one of them. Yes, that is that is an understatement to say the least. And you know we've had trades requested from Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson already. Thought we were going to be at least getting a Tristan Thompson trade. His name was popping yeah. up in a lot of rumors at the deadline, but it never ended up happening. Uh, of course, Kevin Love has voiced his frustration pretty, you know, adamantly on social media in games. Uh, it's been pretty clear that he's unhappy. Yet we really didn't hear any kind of traction on a trade from him. So mm-hmm. I, I just they're they're just stuck in this cycle right now. And then they go and trade for Andre Drummond. It's it's just a confusing situation the Cavs are in. You're not really sure what they're doing. We mentioned Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. They don't appear to be guys that, you know, they're going to be able to build around over the next couple of years. So they're just kind of plummeting right now, but also not sucking enough where it's going to give them a real impact player in the draft. And of course this draft coming up is a pretty terrible one too. It's not great. Uh, Yeah. So it's not like they're really going to be a ton of players that we're going to look in and be like, okay, there's a star that they can build around. You know, we're we're kind of wait, playing the guessing game at this point. So overall, it just wasn't a fit. 
Uh, I, I you know, like I said, it just seemed like a questionable hire from the beginning, and I think Beeline now it's a question of you know does he go back to college and try to you know revive his uh, um, legacy or is he just calling it quits after this? What a what a questionable decision from him. <laughs> Why not just go out? You know, a Michigan. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm yeah. Hard to say legend, well, but great. He, Great college coach. I yeah. Great Up there in franchise records for win totals. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and well, it seems like he was throwing that all away the minute he decided to go to Cleveland. Yeah, well, and that's one of the interesting things. It starts off in the in the athletic article, and you kind of learned this early on. Very early on in Beeline's uh, collegiate career, his coaching career, he did uh, want to make the jump to the pros to coach the best athletes. But what he doesn't understand is that the, the best athletes in college are working so hard every single day that they can show off to their coaches that they are deserving to make it to the pros. The pros don't act like that. They get there. They get paid, especially after they get that second contract. I mean, you're asking guys like Kevin Love, who's one of the, the more high, the highly paid uh, forwards in the league. Tristan Thompson's got good money. There are some guys there that have been around for a while, and they haven't had to put up with this kind of shit. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. You want me to go back to when I was 18, busting my ass off, and I'm in my mid-30s? Nah, I don't want to do that. So he yeah. just he didn't understand, and there are a few coaches where this hasn't worked out before. Um, you know, there are some some that do. I think of uh, Billy Donovan in Oklahoma City. He's been able to string things together for the Thunder. Um, I'm trying to think what other recent guys made the jump that it didn't work necessarily. But I think it it, it goes to show why you see a lot of the top coaches in college never make the jump to the pros. You know, uh, Mike Krzyzewski, um, Roy Williams, Jim Beheim, they all stay in college because they know that style wouldn't work in the NBA. This guy, you know, Beeline was just really interested in making the jump and giving it a shot, and he lasted uh, 54 games to be exact. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, we were, go. we were talking about the Cavs as being one of the more entertaining teams to watch early on this season. They started out four and five. I mean, they were stop saying that. Yeah, you no. And Blake said, Blake said that too. Who cares? Wait, but that's the Eastern I, Conference. When man. did I say that? I said they four jumped. I said they jumped out to four and five. You said they jumped out to four and five. Yes, you said because no one expected them to be fun and exciting to watch. The I, Wizards are a slightly below average team as far as. 500 records go, and they're a fun team to watch. Oh, see, I they disagree. Are I don't... Entertain- they have the second highest offensive rating in the NBA. I know, and the Spurs do too. Okay. And they're you the don't only want two to go teams here with me regardless, because yes. the NBA is not That fun makes to watch them fun. Well, no, no, I it agree doesn't. With you on that. But I having, having to watch the Wizards every night, I would say that they are actually entertaining. It is just a, a shootout. I mean, right. Davis Bertans going off from behind the arc is That's fun. all the NBA is. I'm going to alienate. The listenership of your podcast. If you like the NBA, you're an idiot. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Always appreciative of your insight. What? Uh, what we did, will continue. Was that? Was said. that a statement? That was a statement to fans. Of oh the NBA. wow. Okay, gotcha. Well, yeah. oh wow. <laughs> well, Tom look. has ended his career in yeah. sports. Good, good job. Man. <laughs> Back to news, Tom. <laughs> Back to news. <laughs> Newsman Tom over here. Wow. Um, the, the thing, I, so I, I wouldn't say that the Cavs I necessarily found um, exciting. Four and five, you think early on for a team that you expected to be bad, that's not the worst start, but no one expected them to win. Um, I just don't think we expected it to go this bad this quickly with a coach that had really wanted to, to make that jump, uh, supposedly his entire collegiate career, uh, come to end halfway through a season. It's just it's just a disaster. 
Do you, do you really not think, though, that a below 500 team can be fun to watch? Uh, I mean, to mm-hmm. me, so, okay, so here's why I don't find those two teams interesting, and I guess I'll give the Wizards a little bit more than the Cavs, is that it's a star-driven league. And, and if you don't have stars, and, and that's why I don't really watch... <laughs> no, I, I Brad, no, that's why I'm right. saying Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is that star in the Wizards, so I get watching him. That's why I don't... I, I'm a Knicks fan. I've maybe watched five games this year. They don't have a star. They don't interest me. And and so for Cleveland, is Kevin Love your star really at this point? I, you know, I, I wouldn't say that they're exciting. That I'll, I'll give you the Wizards. Bradley Beal is having a very good season, but they're still very bad. I, I think, I think, for the average NBA fan to expect to watch a ton of regular season games, I think you got to watch those big matchups where you've got the LA teams in there, you've got Giannis. You're watching the best players in the game, and so that's why that's why I don't find those teams that are below 500. They usually don't have star players, um, and so for that reason, that's why I, I guess I wouldn't find them. Andre Drummond now with Cleveland now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Love, dude. Ke- Kevin no. Love is not a star. <laughs> Stop. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You look like Kevin Love. I don't look like Kevin Love. Head ass. <laughs> Head ass. I was just say though, like, like I would say the Marlins are going to be a fun team this year. I wouldn't even say that. But so, so okay, hold they on. They acquired a couple of of guys. Of guys. Corey Dickerson's on that team now. Okay. Jesus Aguilar. Okay. Jonathan VR. Jesus Aguilar. Jonathan John- VR. They're putting him at center court. Call him Swipe Bag City. Dude, he could steal 50 bags at that offense doing nothing else around him. (laughs) I mean, literally. And they got Sandy Alcantara and, you know, a couple of, you know, pitchers who might take a step forward. Yeah. Absolutely. Caleb Joseph. Not Caleb Joseph. Caleb Jones. There's a Caleb on that team. There is. He's apparently good. That's a bad name. So, Caleb. (laughs) So, I guess transitioning that to with the Cavs is that all the moves that they made, and this is where I kind of thought the second part of this conversation is, is, you know, speaks to the bigger picture is, what 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 is the future of the Cleveland Cavaliers? So they've drafted Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, two point guards that have kind of the same style. They can't play next to each other, really. It doesn't go well. They have a negative uh, rating on the floor together. Then you've got Andre Drummond. You bring him in. He's one of the higher paid guys in the league. He could opt out after this season if he chooses to. Most likely, I, I think his next contract is smaller than the one he's currently on. So he probably stays for another year. And then you have the choice to bring him back or lose him in free agency to another team that, that maybe gives them a better shot at winning. Then you got Kevin Love making way too much money. He is almost at the end of his contract, and he has wanted out ever since you know Kyrie and LeBron both left. So for the Cavs, it's so frustrating because in the two years post-LeBron, and we saw them struggle you know, without LeBron the first time. They did draft guys like Kyrie Irving and these young guys that you think that were going to have potential, of course, drafting Andrew Wiggins before trading him uh, when LeBron came back. But... It's just, the, what is the future of the Cleveland Cavaliers? Because I don't think it's Sexton and Garland. Tristan Thompson, uh, you were talking about as being as being a trade guy. He's There's a chance he gets bought out and signs with a contender like the Celtics or the Lakers. Um, Which would be so stupid that they couldn't work out a trade for him. I, yeah. that's, that's what they do. I mean, yeah. like if you want to talk about the future of the Cavs, I mean... Who who the fuck knows? Exactly. I mean, seriously, they have Let's nothing. Let's get real. Like the Bulls we, are probably the only team in a worse situation. They have right nothing. Now. They have they, they the have Bulls nothing. have literally the nothing. only. They're you know if you're if you're Cleveland, you might as well just say, hey, maybe LeBron wins two championships in LA and comes back to end his career <laughs> where he grew up. That's no. about your only hope if yeah. you're Cleveland, which is obviously not going to happen. So they have nothing. Absolutely right. 
Among players who have played at least 60 minutes for the Cavaliers this season, none of them are good. I mean, Larry Nance, Jordan Clarkson, we're talking about who player they efficiency traded. ratings of, of eight. Yeah, player efficiency ratings of 18 or under. They're terrible. I mean, that, if that's your star player. There's no star. I mean, there, Andre Drummond ass. is now the star. 20, literally ass. 23.8 player efficiency rating in those two games They're so not far. even worth talking about. That's, They're not that's even worth good, but like, like, what could they do? They can't do We have anything. seen with the Pistons that building around a big man is not a sustainable way to exactly. achieve success. Exactly. So Which, I, I they, don't know. I don't understand. Like, the Cavs could literally look at the Pistons and be like, oh, where they were three years ago is where we are right now. And, oh, they had Andre Drummond. So, clearly, what they've done in the last three, four years is exactly what we want to do. So, let's trade for Andre Drummond. Yeah, they're an it just makes no sense. They're an embarrassment. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think. Yeah. And a lot of this blame, I guess, you know, it goes up top to their ownership. Of course, David Griffin letting being let go was the downfall of LeBron being mad. He didn't really want to see Griffin go. That bring in Colby Altman. And Colby Altman has done has, has essentially made every wrong move since being the general manager for the Cleveland Cavaliers, cycling through now to his fourth head coach. Uh, like you said, not being able to trade Tristan Thompson, there was high demand for him. And the, all likelihood, I think they I mean, they might choose to hold on to him. But what's the point if two of your better players are both centers, uh, one who has expanded his shooting this year in Tristan Thompson, he's actually hitting threes, the other in Andre Drummond who can't shoot. And so then you've got two guys clogging up the middle. Oh, and your other best player is a power forward. So what, are you, you going to throw all three of them out there at the same time? Have Kevin Love play small forward? No, the, the, the roster construction is so awful. They've cycled through four head coaches already, uh, less than two seasons in. It, it's a disaster, and I, I believe it's all started from from up with their ownership, Dan Gilbert, uh, the firing of David Griffin, who is now down in New Orleans, and and really every move, every move without that doesn't involve bringing back LeBron James or drafting LeBron James in the last, I guess, history of the Cleveland Cavaliers has just, has been awful. It's been disgraceful. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm not optimistic. No. I'm not. How, I, I yeah. mean, How could you I be? think we talk about the Bulls as being a team with literally no players whatsoever. I thought Kobe White might actually be like a good draft pick for them, yeah. but he just hasn't really panned out for them. Uh, the Cavs, I mean, you could say Colin Sexton is probably a better piece than anybody that is on the Bulls right now. I like Lori Markinen. But Lori Markinen's plateaued. I mean, he was supposed to yeah. be better than he was. I mean, we've kind of figured out who he is, and he's fine. Right. Uh, but I think I think he'd be better as a six-man type player playing against bench units than he really would be as a starter, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I, I mean... That's just kind of where we are right now. And so if that's the guy you're building around, you're really not in a good place. I mean, I feel like Sexton is kind of in that similar boat. Uh, Darius Garland has been terrible. I mean, downright (laughs) awful uh, this year. Per 36 minutes right now, totals 14.4 points, 4.5 assists, 2.2 rebounds, 0.8 steals. He also hasn't picked up a single block this year, by the way. Uh, So, like... You know, he's, he's shooting th- 35% from three. I guess that's fine. He's a point guard, though. I mean, he's supposed to be dishing things out. And I know he's kind of like splitting that role with Sexton. But at the same time, you know, both of them are starting every game. I mean, Sexton got benched for a little bit. But overall, they're they're starting every game together in the backcourt. So you would think that maybe they could get some kind of, you know, pick and roll type situation where they work off of each other. It just hasn't worked out. And, yeah. I mean... 
Cleveland is not a fun team to watch. This is a bad team. That not a fun team to talk about. Bad basketball. We're getting bored over here. Yeah, I mean, we we dove yeah. into them for like twenty minutes now. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I I think this I think this has made me realize how depressing it is for all those uh lo- those Ohio natives and those fans. They do got the Buckeyes like you mentioned. High flying. I mean, they do have Ohio State. Let's talk about another Cavaliers really quick. The high flying, high scoring, exciting offense of UVA. Cavaliers put up seventy eight points signing. Hey, all loyal season. listener Bennett Conlon, might be maybe the he most could join. Points that he could UVA join has put up all season. I really think it might be the most points they put up all season. Seventy eight. I think. I think yeah, it might lost, be too. right? No, they won. They oh, beat they Boston won? College. Oh, okay. Then like two, last They're week on the they right scored. Side of the bubble they scored seventy something last week and lost though. I don't think that happened. Yeah, it did. Who would that have been to? It would have been to a team that I will find as I pull up their schedule here. Yeah, As I of, pull up their schedule, uh, NCAA men's no sisters. no dead time on this podcast, no dead time here. Um, also, I'm going to struggle to find them because they're do. not in the top 25. So we really, go, all they you have to not. do is look up UVA men's basketball. Yeah, why well, wasn't that well, the first to, thing? I went to, I went to ESPN. It was a uh, cheese. You're a dummy, McDonald. Oh, they beat they beat UNC by four. Yeah, they won. You were talking about... Yeah, I was talking about them losing. Oh, I guess... Oh, yeah, they, they lost, lost to Louisville, 80-73. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they didn't score as many as they did 78 against Boston College. Yeah, I believe you're right. That is the most they've scored all year. Um, but a disappointing season overall for the Cavs. Well, definitely... It's out of the bubble now. Definitely, yeah. They're, they're probably going to make the tournament. But um, we've been saying the same thing about uh, Georgetown at my office. Patrick Ewing leading the way yeah Hoyer's future been, future knicks head coach they're, they're right. in the mix they're future the mix. knicks head coach they're yep. in the mix they're, they're in the mix for sure heading back to where it all began for patrick in in madison square garden so i see that it coming. has worked out so well for head coaches in the past right? hey r.i.p yep. can i just look r.i.p pop smoke man y'all hear about that yeah, um, I Bob, heard about you know, that. You know who Pop Smoke is? Yeah, you're a New Yorker, Blake. You probably know. Yeah. 20 year old rapper from Brooklyn. He got shot in LA. R.I.P. Rest in peace, Pop Smoke. 20 years. It's it's sad. It's yeah. sad to see. We hate to see it. We love Pop. He was like a young 50 coming up. He was huge for New York, and uh, it's unfortunate. And that just Very shows. That just shows. Never, never throw out your address. Never let know where people are. He, where, where it was accidental. At. It was accidental, dude. Oh, it was. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. He accidentally, he accidentally, I think it was like he was like, uh, it was one of his boys that let of, it out. I, I thought he was doing some kind of like Snapchat, like some kind of video or something. And he yeah. Accidentally like, I think he had mentioned it and then also his boy had said it and I think was more like his was like more opening to where they were at. I, I didn't, I didn't see either, but. That's what I was uh, reading, but but yeah, definitely. I mean, what the the scariest shit is seeing nineteen ninety nine dash like any like any end year like it, born in nineteen ninety nine already gone um, way too soon, way too soon. Yeah, R I P. R I P. Well, Tom, I can say for sure that bringing you onto the show brings our conversations in a variety of different directions. Yeah, it we does. Holy shit. <laughs> we have been all over the place today. I would say our loyal listeners are probably scratching their heads. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is the outrageous side. Or, reasonably outrageous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or they're or they're too busy turning down the volume when Tom speaks, up the volume when me and Matt speak, and it's he's Look, they're right. just this makes a lot of sense. You yeah. guys bring the sports knowledge to the show, and it's a sports podcast. That's great. But I gotta bring some culture on here. Who's that, right. Who else is gonna do that? Dude, I got a Blake I, and I only pay hey, attention to sports. I got a pair of Tim's on right now, Tom. So I'm bringing culture. I'm dead ass. Are they all the day. blue? Are they the blue jumps? Yeah, exactly. 
The blue joints are fire. Yeah. Yeah. Fire. I'm dead ass. Twenty four seven. All right. Before before we get out of here, real quick, I just want to talk about Vanderbilt baseball. Oh yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Blake's excited. He I saw he liked my tweet. Well, so I'm excited because they're just five minutes away from me, so I can go see him all this the time. This is also true. You can actually see some really good baseball. I'm pretty jealous. Talk oh. about uh, Prospects Jones. Prospects Jones, dude. These guys, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leader, two of the so last great year, names. Fantastic names. Call him Kumar off your rocker rocker. Rocker, who is uh, last year, came onto the scene as the best freshman in the country. Final start of the year. Okay, I'm going to get some of these numbers wrong. 17. But it was a complete, complete game shutout, no hitter with 17 strikeouts against yeah. Duke in the College World Series. That was his final start of last year. The next start by a Vanderbilt freshman was this year, Jack Leader, the son of Al Leader. I don't know who that is. Baseball player. Okay. Son of Al Leader, Jack, f- debut with Vanderbilt. Six innings, no hits, no runs, 12 strikeouts. Pitching crack. Yeah. This wow. Was, and now the two of them are in the rotation together. Friday, Saturday starters all season. Vanderbilt, offense is a little bit suspect for That's sure. Extra yucky. Though. But that rotation, Shut that one-two punch, easily the best. Call it Megan Good and Odyssey Alexander. Good. Nobody's going to get the JMU references, man. But <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. Am I right? JMU softball had one of the best one-two punches in the country for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but Megan Good, of course, now graduated to the uh, professional softball league. Anyways. Yeah, great rotation yeah. for Vanderbilt. It's gonna be, it could be fun. Kumar Rocker, I actually mistweeted like two weeks ago saying that he'll be the number one pick this year. He won't be eligible until next year, so I'm dumb. Uh, but this Yikes. will be, it'll be uh, interesting. I know. I gotta go fight back and delete that tweet, erase the evidence. Have you not deleted it? No, it was weeks Sus. ago, man. Sus. I can just look up Kumar and it'll come Did up. You just realize it. No, I realized it like two I'm going to go screenshot it before you go oh, inside great. and expose you. Uh, so, but we could be seeing, I mean, obviously we're one start into Leaders College hmm. career, but uh, he was a guy who, guess who he was drafted by, Blake? Uh, the Yankees. The Yankees. Nice. Wow. The Yankees drafted him, drafted him, I want to say it was like the 20th round or something like that. Sick. Knowing they wouldn't get him uh, because he was going to honor his... Uh, commitment to Vanderbilt, but what could have been, man? He could have been in the system. Yeah, well, we we've got like seven guys, so you know I understand needing to give other franchises, you know, their fourth or fifth starting pitchers that are actually good. So all right, you don't want to. You're talking to the wrong dudes about good starting pitching. Sorry, I, I like talking about you know my four and five and and even my sixth, the prospect that'll be coming up, DV Garcia and. You know, Jordan Montgomery bounce back. Sorry, I, I'm just I'll, – I'll go till 8 or 9 if you want me to. Um, I deleted it, Tom. Beat you to it. Damn it. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> crashing for Kumar. That's uh, that's going to be the slogan next year with a K like for it. crashing. Jones! Like crashing wow. for Kumar and losing for leader. Look at that. You got some back-to-back puns right there. Oh man, you got—you must have got to that way quicker than. Yeah, because I knew what to search for. I knew too. I searched Kumar. Yeah, because Kumar was one of the replies to the original. Harold and tweet. Kumar Jones. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's that's gonna do it for our show today. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining Look, us. I it was do a it privilege. For the people. Yes. You're welcome. They are so grateful. I need to yes. go take some Tylenol. 
Oh, dude, looks like I wasn't recording your side of the mic. Sorry about it. We're going to cut that out. My bad. Uh, anyway, uh, you can follow Tom on Twitter at Newsman Tom, where he yes. won't really tweet about sports, but he is there yeah. tweeting. Yeah, if you're in the DC area, you know, follow. catch up on some inner loop beltway traffic some or news. yeah, some news going on. Some news. And then uh, you can follow me and Blake, the the normal host. Blake is at Blake Andrew Pace, where he'll tweet about whatever having to do with sports. And he writes for SB Nation. Both Troy Nunez is an absolute magician, uh, and Stampede Blue. You can check all of this stuff over there at SB Nation. I'm Matt Wyrick. Follow me at by Matt Wyrick. My work is over at NBC Sports Washington. Where I write about the Nationals and other DC and Maryland sports. All right, Blake. Any final words for the good people? No. Do you want to give out your uh, your announcement that we didn't give out on Sunday? Oh yeah, that's I completely forgot. Yeah. Um, so I am going to be the utility infielder for NBC Sports Washington's Nationals Talk podcast this year. Oh. Very excited. I uh, just found out that I'm going to be uh, actually a pretty big part of the coverage this year as one of the. Nationals writers will be going to a lot of home games, big matchups, that kind of thing. I believe I'm going to be at opening day, so I'm pretty excited for that uh, to help cover the defending World Series champs. So I'll be filling in on a irregular basis on the Nats Talk podcast, talking Nats uh, throughout the week. I think they do a couple of shows every week, so I'll be filling in or hopping in, you know, whenever they need me, just kind of being that utility infielder. They call him a Struble Cabrera, if you will. Oh, um, yeah. For the Nats Talk podcast. Look at that. Uh, versatile as hell. But a DJ LeMahieu type. Oh, there you go. Call him Ben Zobrist. <laughs> you can go for days, man. Who uh, just retired, by the way. Shout Aww. out to Ben Zobrist for a fantastic career. Um, also, did you know that uh, Troy Tulowitzki is a coach at Texas? Well, I knew just he was no longer yesterday. a Yankee, so... Yes. Very He's interesting. coaching Texas baseball now. Good for him. Good for him. Good for Tulo. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it from us. I'm Matt Wyrick for Tom Robertson and Blake Pace. We appreciate you sitting here with us today as we approach the hour mark. Um, that's going to be it. So thank you all so much for listening and have a good one.